0: Welcome to the Azure podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji Demello, Kendall Rodin, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com, or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is the 21st of April of 2022, and we are recording episode 421 about Project Flash on Azure with our special guests, Fujita Desaraju and Sedanshu Karana. On teams with me. We have myself, Cynthia, Russell, and Kale. As usual, we will first go through a round of updates before we get into our special topic. Kale, do you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, sure. I just have two this time. Uh, the first one's about uh, purview, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, so not a hugely small thing, but it used to be called Azure Purview. It's now called Microsoft Purview. Uh, And there's a nice article up here about folks who are using it, um, some of our partners, including the London Heathrow Airport and uh, Grunfoss and a couple others. And then basically what this is, is bringing that into the M365 uh, compliance, you know, set of services. So for those who don't know, Purview, we have a podcast. You can go listen to it. We had some of the folks on, but it's around data governance uh, in the cloud. And um, so this is coming into the M365 portfolio to be better aligned with those things. So uh, keep an eye out for that. No, no huge feature change there. It looks like right now, other than tighter integration with M365. Um, the second piece was uh, is actually a technical article. Usually we put like announcements about you know, product groups and things like that. But this one I thought was pretty cool because it was around uh, credentials in Azure and how to get rid of them. Um, so there's like two-part kind of blog up here about, you know, users versus machines, federated credentials, and all the kind of like options that are up there in the cloud and how to effectively use those to remove as many kind of static credentials from Azure as possible. So I thought it was a pretty nice article. It's a two-parter and we'll put the link in the show notes about it. Thank
0: you. And Russell?
2: Uh, yeah, just a couple from me as well. Um, just on on the Purview one, I thought that was really interesting. That one, and it's 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 kind of a branding thing, but it's also extending the the scope of what Purview is. So it's covering now, like you say, the Microsoft 365 compliance piece plus Azure Purview. Um, but there's, I think they've put all together now in one governance Purview portal now as well. So you can go there. Um, so there's a Microsoft Purview governance portal for the governance side of things, and there's a Microsoft Purview compliance portal for the stuff that you would have found on Microsoft 365 E5 or um, E5 compliance in the past as well. So I can see that now just being a, a, a total horizontal, um, you know, one place stop for all your compliance and governance um, capability across your data regardless whether it sits in in Azure or in uh, Microsoft 365. So that was really interesting that one I thought. Um, the, the two other small ones from from that I spotted caught my eye were Azure SQL public preview updates, just a couple of small things in there. Um, one is about being able to create and use Azure Active Directory server principles in the master of the uh, SQL database. Um, and the other one was backup history dynamic management view. So this is one of the DMVs. Um, so you can look at the um, the compliance of your automated backups just to make sure that they've all been working well, and and you can use T-SQL to to query over those. Um, So that's quite a nice feature. Um, And what was the other one? Oh, the other one was, um, yes, this caught my eye because I used to work for IBM on WebSphere. And and this is an IBM WebSphere on Azure um, feature that's been made generally available. So this is about you being able to bring your own licenses um, to do some evaluation of of how you want to run WebSphere within the Azure environment. I think the uh, the link that we've got uh, takes you to a, a document that gives you uh, three different options on, on how to host, whether you want to use VMs or ARO, Azure Red, uh, uh, Redshift or um, or Kubernetes. That's it for me.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Russell. I yeah. also had two that I am stealing from Evan around SQL. The first one is a public preview of Azure SQL database, hyperscale being able to reverse migrate into general purpose tier. So now that is in public preview where you're able to move, reverse that migration to move back into general purpose tier if you start with the hyperscale tier. So that just gives you more flexibility uh, due to the difference in the underlying architecture, depending on whether your needs change, that is possible now in public preview. And also the general availability of zone redundancy for Azure SQL database, in the general purpose tier. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with the capabilities of Azure Availability Zones that is now available for general purpose tier for SQL Database. And one other update that I wanted to share is we recently did a four-part series on a APIM landing zone accelerator. That's something I've been working on for the past year. It is meant to be a set of enterprise scale guidance for customers that want to implement APIM at scale. And it is split into two aspects. There is an aspect of guidance where we break down into six different critical design areas, as well as reference implementation where you're able to actually start and deploy using either Bicep, ARM, or Terraform. So I'll definitely put that in the link as well. And without further ado, I uh, wanted to turn it over to our special guest, have them introduce themselves and tell us more about Project Flash, uh, Pujita and Sudanshu. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us what you do at
3: Microsoft and go from there. Sure, I can go first. Um, Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. First of all, it's so exciting. Um, But to just introduce myself, I'm a technical program manager. I think that role introduction has recently happened, so now I'm a technical program manager. Um, And I'm part of Azure Core, um, and I am part of the team called Platform Fundamentals and quality at the Azure host, Uh, that's the PM team uh, name. I know it's super exciting, Um, but my main focus is on VM availability. So just making sure that customer workloads are up and running, measuring any sort of disruptions, interruptions and characterizing and quantifying that, and ensuring that we are maintaining the quality of the platform. And so that's really my main focus, but with Project Flash that I've been driving for the past, I would say since 2020, so whatever the math there is. Um, So I have been driving Project Flash with the focus on VM availability monitoring. And so I'm super excited to talk more about that as the podcast progresses. So over to you, Sudhanshu.
4: Yeah, thank you, Pujita. Yeah, so I am Sudhanshu and I'm an engineering manager at Microsoft Core Compute. I work for availability platform team. And this team is all about all things availability and ensuring that availability of the virtual machines on top of which customer application services run is really good uh, so that customers can have a great experience working at Azure and they feel empowered. And I lead the engineering for Project Flash. So, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, an introduction from my end. And thank you so much for inviting us here
0: start from a customer perspective, uh, what are some of the improvements that a customer would see from Project Flash?
3: Yes, so, um, well, there's a lot of things to, you know, say here. So to set some context as well, right, so why are we seeing this improvement in the first place? Um, Really, back in 2020, we started hearing from a lot of our customers um, that, hey, VM monitoring, is not as great as it should be, and we are struggling. And so that was, um, I wouldn't say a surprise, but that really, you know, had us investigate what's going on and identify some of the gaps that we had to bridge. So we sort of laid out a two-pronged approach where we went, hey, let's fix what's missing. Let's make sure that we empower customers in consuming availability at scale across multiple subscriptions at low latencies, consuming availability as a metric. So let's just make sure that we first meet all of their needs. And the second part to that is how do we make this experience in itself awesome for many of our customers, right? Like how do we go above and beyond just fixing gaps to ensuring that they have have um, an amazing time monitoring their workloads and are able to mitigate on time. So, as the project progresses, they're going to slowly start seeing the quality of VM availability information emitted to them really improve, become more accurate and precise, but more so complete. Uh, we want to make sure that they get all the failure attribution details that they need to decide whether they have to take a mitigation, how do they upkeep their business SLAs? Um, We all acknowledge that VM availability is such a prerequisite for running customer workloads in a performant way, and so allowing customers to really have access to real-time data on that will then empower them to just upkeep their own business SLA. So in addition to quality, just making sure that we emit this um, information in a consistent way to different endpoints to make sure that it meets the unique observability needs of our customers. So as the project progresses, and since the conception of the project, along with quality, also the usability is going to continue to improve until we reach our long-term experience goal of just making sure that everything is seamless, cohesive, and all the good things. So that's really what customers can expect.
1: Does this encompass like um, beyond just like, oh, something went wrong and now I can do you know, see see what happened, see my availability reports, things like that. Does this also encompass things like scheduling ahead of time, like for like host updates or something like that, where like a VM has to be, you know, rebooted for some reason because there's a, an update or something. Does this also encompass that? Like, I remember there those like scheduling things people could do so they don't get affected in certain hours and all that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, so this is more uh, like a reactive model right, as part of Project Flash, when we see unanticipated issues as part of the platform health going down due to several reasons. It can be due to power issue, hardware issue, you know, software issue, et cetera or an you know, area of issues. And in such cases, you know, we want to provide this availability information in near real time and at low latency to our customers so that they can uh, act accordingly. You know, coming from engineering, you know, various customers have different architectures deployed in Azure. Uh, So for example, you know, if if we provide this availability information in low latency way and in a scalable fashion, then, uh, you know, Depending on the information they have got, they can fail over to a healthy machine, right, or a healthy host, right, which helps them um, to have a great experience. And also, they can basically uphold the trust and confidence for their end customers. So, overall, uh, the goal is to ensure unanticipated faults are being taken care of in a good way.
0: How do some of these efforts extend to, for instance, the past services that are built on our platform as well? And how does it apply to like our internal engineering teams who are also customers of these VMs?
3: That's a great question, right? Um, you know, When we started this project, it was just let's solve the biggest problem that we have right now in order of priority. And I think we all acknowledge that VMs are a super critical part of running your workloads on Azure. And so with all of the multitude of gaps that we had identified, you know, as Siddhantu had alluded earlier as well, latency of uh, disruption, propagation and, um, you know, scalable consumption and all of this that we had enough or I should say more than enough to solve just for VMs at this point. So our scope right now is more so focused on VM availability and how do we make that monitoring experience amazing for our IaaS customers But moving forward, we have so many different ways of expansion of scope, right? Um, Number one, we know that customers don't just care about VMs, right? They want to know what's my storage health, networking health. We we know this, and we want to make sure that we give them holistic monitoring, which means that we give them proactive notifications, as Kale was talking about earlier. We make sure that we give or apply the same principles to other resources as well, storage, networking, and give a more cohesive view to customers. And that also means that we then expand scope to past customers, but all of that is in due time, we just want to make sure that, at least for now, we fix fixed the, the fundamental gaps with VMs, make sure we empower customers just enough so that we can then focus on a little more than just VMs.
2: Was this, this level of monitoring that you've now exposed to customers, was it available internally before, or have you extended that as well? And, and when you were doing it, was there anything that you discovered that you didn't know that was really unexpected? that has led you to maybe give some feedback to the engineering teams to improve something fundamental across the board in the data centers?
4: Yeah, I can take take that. Um, so basically, uh, we did have some kind of health monitoring uh, but that was not super scalable. It was not with low latency. And if the availability information, you know, as we mentioned, is not available or uh, it's it's taking high latency, then it's not adding a value add to the customers, right? So on our portal, we used to we we still publish, you know, the health of the VMs. But there are some cases when this, uh, you know, publishing is delayed, right? So the intention behind this project is to provide this data. Uh, in a better way and we modeled recently as a availability metric uh, you know to certain array of mission critical customers at azure and uh, we are improving the quality of the signals we are you know having taking the multi faceted uh, up approach here so that this availability data is provided to customers um, in a in a good way so that they can you know, consume it either from the portal or you know, even they can have a programmatic consumption of these availability data so that it fits well into their architecture.
1: Yeah, just to dovetail on that, like um, you, you mentioned a few times like they could see this stuff in the portal or automated and things like that. So how do people experience what Flash is bringing forward? Is it just like enhancements to like Azure Monitor or existing services or is it like some new dashboard or something that they should go to?
4: So uh, that's, yeah, I'll let Puchita to answer this but question. Go ahead,
3: Sudanshu, and then I can add on. Go ahead
4: okay okay cool um so basically you know uh, as i mentioned we modeled a new metric that was not existing in our platform which is called vm availability metric by its name and customers can see this new metric as part of their portal and also they can consume this pro- programmatically you know and take decisions accordingly now this metric is really a strong signal you know uh, how we how we you know uh, powered it up to our customers and how they can use it so this is a brand new thing and uh, we aim to do, you know, public preview, uh, you know, sometime, but it, we have not figured out the plan yet. But it's still available to a set of customers, you know, who want to consume it. Um, and also, like on top of that, we are integrating with different endpoints, right? Today, uh, for example, we don't publish the the availability annotations or data to. Uh, Azure Resource Graph, right? And our plan is to publish that data as well so that customers can just write one query um, where they can get the availability information uh, for you know their thousands or 10 thousands or 100 thousands of the VMs, right? And that provides a scalable channel to them. So these offerings are definitely, some of the offerings are improvements on top of what we have today and some are brand new so that overall we cover uh, you a know, lot of cases and, uh, we want to make sure each and every customer of Azure is really happy and empowered.
3: Yeah, I can just um, add on to that as well. So Sudanshu has touched on some great points, um, but to step back even a little more, right? So why are we emitting to different endpoints? It was really about when we sat down with customers and said, what is it that you want to do with VM availability and how is it that you want to consume it? What was interesting was every customer obviously had different stories to share. You know, They're all so unique um, and based on differing sizes and what is it that they want to accomplish on Azure. It was quite obvious to us that monitoring is not a one size fits all solution. And we also wanted to make sure that just because of the urgency that's associated with monitoring VM availability, right? Imagine you're a customer and you don't have an idea of what the health of your workloads is, that's scary. And so that is a critical piece of infrastructure for all of our customers. And so due to the urgency that we have, we decided let's make sure to check off all of these different use cases. And so we emitted the metric because it's a time trend, right, where you can continue to track your availability as a time series set up metric alerts. Um, And then it's such a fundamental way as well of triggering runbooks and all of that. So that's within Azure Monitor. And then as Zadanshu mentioned, ARG for the scale. And then we're also trying to come up with an instantaneous alerting mechanism, which is more event-based. So all of this is to essentially check off these different Use cases and make sure that customers are able to meet their needs. But in parallel, what I alluded to earlier as well, we understand that admitting to different endpoints and having customers go, oh, what's your use case? And now decide which endpoint is the best for you may not be the ideal experience. And so we are continuously brainstorming hey, how do we bring all of these different solutions together? and really think about what's our long-term strategy here. How do we provide a cohesive solution where it's non-redundant, unique representations of availability, but also highly discoverable, so that I, as an engineering PM, don't have to be in calls with customers and go, oh, let me understand your needs and recommend solutions, right? I have to remove myself from the process. And so it's really about... How do we empower customers in discovering the right solutions for them, understanding what that solution does, as well as ensuring that it's giving them high-quality information in a way it's best usable by them? And so that's really the the goal as well, in addition to what Sadanshu had mentioned.
1: And and you mentioned there, too, just to follow on again to that, like the, the preview bits. Uh, so it sounds like some of this stuff's in private preview, Um is there like a, a form or something that we can direct our listeners to if they're interested in this kind of stuff that uh, they can get in touch with you like uh, most easily for uh, enabling those features?
3: Yeah, for sure. So the the private preview is for the VM availability metric. Um, so what we're doing and we're very picky about this in a sense that we want to get it right this time you know we have quality issues because you know we just did a lot in a short period of time so what we want to do with this private preview is release it um, to a small group really iterate on the feedback and, and our own infrastructure that we are really evo- you know um, evolving at this point um, make sure to fold that feedback in and then slowly open it up to public preview or even a select public preview adoption so we're trying to take it as slow as as possible. So at least for now, I understand the excitement behind adopting this metric. And really, we understand the use case and the importance, but we want to make it right. And so we're just slowly phasing this out. So right now, we're still deciding on when we want to open this up for more customers. Um, But for now, it remains still closed off just because we're iterating on the feedback.
0: For customers that are newer to just starting out with IaaS workloads, How should they think about monitoring? Because you just mentioned there are a number of different ways or a number of different metrics that different customers are looking for. But if someone were to start fresh, what are areas that they should be considering?
4: Okay, I can take that. Um, So it depends on the needs of the customers, right? What kind of applications and services they run and definitely the cost as well. So different solutions have different cost. Right. So they need to understand, you know, what is the specific needs, you know, and they need to discuss, you know, their architecture internally and then come up, use our, you know, public offerings or even if they want to onboard on some of our private offerings, uh, which are in private preview right now. So it really depends. Right. Um, As Pujita mentioned, there is no, uh, you know, one solution that can cover all the needs. So then they have to decide, you know, what is the one which really uh, fits well for their use case. And uh, whether it's working well or not, and then based on the feedback and how it is going, and in a data-driven way, they can use multiple endpoints as of now, and uh, yeah, build build good applications, and you know, be happy in terms of availability of those applications in terms of data consumption, and you know, and have their architecture well fit in there.
3: Yeah, I can uh, piggyback on that as well. You know, we want customers to be excited about monitoring and not, you know, have that be a pain. I think that's just where we want to start off. We don't want it to be overwhelming. I think that's been a lot of feedback that we received is why is it overwhelming? And that's exactly what we don't want it to be. Um, and so we are number one, trying to improve our documentation. Um, so that we don't have to have the customer spend a lot of time and really seething through, okay, what is it that I need? And, you know, what can Microsoft do for me? And then really struggling there. So documentation, we're trying to make it super easy to make it obvious as to, which endpoint or service is best suited to their needs, and so that's number one. Number two is just making sure that as a customer, when they're looking to onboard, you know, it's really about, you know, um, do I want more of the quick, instantaneous checks, or do I want the programmatic consumption via APIs, you know, REST APIs, or do I want to consume this at scale? What we notice is most customers, and usually this is what I make as a recommendation as well, you will have different needs and it will continue to evolve over time, right? And so as it continues to evolve, it's always good to make sure that you're checking off different use cases like low-wakeancy alerting and, and continuous and periodic monitoring. And so just be open to exploring all the different ways that we do offer VM availability today and just start somewhere. Right, we have offerings that meet all your needs. So just start playing with all of that, and then identifying what best fits with your with your downstream tooling.
0: Thank you. I think that's super helpful. Really, just start and find out from there because there are many options, not just for monitoring, like really across all the different services that Azure provides as well of having multiple ways to solve the same problem. So with that. Uh, Sudhanshu and Pujita, it's been awesome having both of you. Are there any upcoming updates that our listeners should look forward to, or any additional information you'd like to share?
4: Yeah, we released a blog recently, uh, and you know, Pujita wrote that really, really good talk. Um, and I would recommend customers, you know, to read that blog and be excited about Project Flash. And I think myself or Pujita, I can share the link of that uh, blog as well in this channel. And uh, this blog tells us, you know, what we have done so far and what exciting is coming, uh, you know, as part of our roadmap. And yeah, that's pretty much I wanted to convey.
3: Yes, the, the blog has definitely been a huge milestone for us, just because we've been talking about Flash with customers for so long and getting them excited, and then there's no official documentation that they can go back and say, hey, I had this conversation. And so we were really happy when we got to publish this, and, you know, we usually push this on everybody that we speak with. So, you know, please feel free to share this. Um, but second of all, you know, as a customer, you can definitely expect to stay updated by just upkeeping with the the series in which we posted the blog, which is Mark um Advancing Reliability Series. So when we, do have updates, which we absolutely anticipate we will by the end of the year, um, we will continue to post on this, um, you know, in the series. So please stay updated. But there's some great things coming. I'm really excited. Um, there's, you know, it, uh, more failure details. And, uh, you know, we're, we're chipping away at some of the feedback that many of our customers have given. So I'm just going to say stay tuned and keep your eyes out for another update um, in the series.
2: Yeah, the well, blog's thank- really, really good. I've had a quick look at it, and, uh, and thank you. It's got loads of great detail in there. I particularly like the bit about explaining how to look into Azure Event Grid and stuff like that. But that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing I know, so thank you.
3: Yes. Well,
0: thank you both for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, and we will see you all next time.
3: <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day, folks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.